This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. When you hear the sound of the drum, we'll be saying, here we come. Yeah, here we come. You ain't listening and you're missing out. Welcome back, Bucks fans, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode number 88. We'll call it the Luke Stalker special. Shout out to our buddy Morgan. You might know him from an episode a few weeks ago. Big Luke Stalker guy. So naturally, it's the Luke Stalker episode. Welcome back to the show. Today we are going to be previewing everything you need to know as the 5-7 and seven Buccaneers return home to take on the Indianapolis Colts this coming Sunday. And the Colts are a team not in the best shape. Also coming out of the AFC South, just like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they beat. And I mean, they started out 5-2 and two and have not played very well up until this point since that 5-2 and two start. So of course we'll break down that game. A couple of other Buccaneer headlines that came out this week and get you all caught up. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me is my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited. I'm, um, honestly, I'm excited for this game this week. I mean, you went two in a row, been putting out a pretty solid product on the field, You've been winning these games decisively. That's the key mm-hmm. here as well. Is they're not eking them out. They are winning and, and doing it in pretty good fashion. And I feel confident about the matchup coming in to this weekend. But of course, before we get into that, we got some other Bucks news we got to break down for you guys. But welcome back to the show. Now, earlier on the Bucks break this week, if you listened to that, I said the Bucks were not going to win this game. I had a feeling it just wasn't going to turn out in their favor. It was going to be a competitive back-and-forth game, touchdown after touchdown, points after points. I knew it would be competitive, and I said that they were going to lose off of a last-second field goal. Mm. But that was before I knew how banged up they are. Um, the the Colts or the Bucks? The Colts. Okay. Like, I, I, I thought it was a totally different Colts team. And I'm not going to say that... You know, I'm not going to discount them for anything at all because they're still a solid football team. Yep. But I just, I don't know, man. I didn't realize things were uh, things were looking not that great for them. I mean, they did get embarrassed by Tennessee last week as well, and that's just one of three games that they have not looked good at all in. Um, but again, like I said earlier, before we really jump into this weekend's matchup, let's go over some big Bucks headlines from this week. There's two big things I want to talk about. The first one is rookie linebacker Devin White. He was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. NFC Defensive Rookie of the Month, excuse me. Let me correct myself there. (laughs) Now, you look at his stat line for the month, he finished with 46 tackles, 2.5 sacks, 3 tackles for loss, 2 forced fumbles, 1 interception, and don't forget a touchdown on there as well. So one hell of a month for number 45. You love to see that productivity from your first-round draft pick. Am I right? Uh, Yeah, like I said, that's... We talked about it last week. We talked about it, I think, after the Atlanta game. You know, it's what you draft them for. So hopefully, you know, those defensive rookie of the month turn into defensive player of the month. Absolutely. You love to see him perform well, especially a guy who came out, had a slow start, as we have talked about these past few episodes. So very, very good looking for Devin White. Keep up the great work. Now, 
There's another thing, a little more pressing, that I wanted to talk about, but I felt like it was important because, of course, it involves our quarterback for the time being, number three, Jameis Winston. Um, there was a quote from head coach Bruce Arians that came out this week, and the quote is in response to someone asking him about Jameis being the quarterback for Tampa next season. He kind of dodged the question. He said, I'm going to pass on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, you know, there's been a lot of really, really good. There's been a lot of really, really bad. But I'm going to wait until the end of December to make that decision. Now, so far, since that quote has come out, I have seen multiple people take this quote and twist it into something else. Most notably, Trey Wingo, big name NFL analyst. Maybe you've heard of him. He said this in a tweet. He said, Bruce Arian said yesterday he's passing on the idea of Jameis Winston being the guy going forward, which is not the case whatsoever. Like, that's not what was said. That's not the quote. And that's an example of national media who really don't pay attention to the Bucks in that manner, taking a quote and just twisting it to a narrative, which is what they've done for Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston ever since he started here in Tampa Bay. And, and I've said this before. I'm not a radical Jameis Winston apologist. I'm not going to defend things that can't be defended. But this is one of those situations where you see it week in and week out. And we talk about it all the time within the Bucks community. It's like, man, I really wonder if some of these analysts watch the Bucks. You know, watch anything aside from the headlines that come out. Because this example is just something that's so misconstrued and it's hard to look over that. You know what I mean? Because then it creates this national narrative of, oh, Bruce Arian says that Jameis isn't the guy. When that can't be farther from the case. He's just evaluating what he has right now. And I mean, I think, I think on Bruce's end, he gave a very fair weather coach answer. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. Yeah, I mean, maybe people are expecting, you know, at the end of Jason Light's press conference, I mean, at the end of the year, last year, Jason Light's press conference, that he was asked about Jameis Winston, and he said, you know, Winston's under contract, he'll be back. Maybe that's what fans were expecting from Marians, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really think it's too much to alarm about at all. Um, he, he said, he's literally said this before. Like, yeah. this isn't the first time he said this, so um, I, that's no big deal. Um, but, I, you know, the thing about you that you said about, you know, the national media sort of not paying attention to the Bucks. I sort of want to bring up something. So Matt Miller, who is a Bleacher Report analyst, draft analyst. Oh, put yeah. Out his, I know where you're uh, going with this. Three-round three mock draft, which I, I, I love mock drafts, right? Like, if anybody knows me, like, I check mock drafts a ton. I do that draft network mock draft machine. It's so fun, man. Oh my god, like <laughs> so addictive. Um, but anyways, I'm a big draft guy, and I understand that when you're when you're an NFL media person, you can't look and pay attention fully to all 32 NFL teams, just because that's not possible. So you might not be able to know like exactly what they need. But just take a listen to what what this uh this mock draft had so it's a three-round mock and matt miller who has not been a james winston fan but he had the bucks picking a cornerback um in the in the first round and his reasoning was well there's not going to be any good quarterbacks here where they're at so they take a corner but they need one but why no there was and there was there was tons of offensive linemen on the board too Tons of defensive linemen on the board. I think Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, defensive lineman, went the next pick in his mock. Uh, so, yeah, no thanks on the corner. And I was like, all right, second round, what do you got for me? Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. Najee Harris is a good football player, but if they pick a running back in the second round, that is idiotic. Um, unless you have four second-round picks, which they ain't getting four second-round picks, then you can afford to spend one of those maybe on a luxury, right? To have this sort of two-headed monster of Ronald Jones and Najee Harris. Right. But you don't have that luxury at all. So you need those picks to help build up the offensive line, defensive line, whatever, right? And you use it on a running back. That No. Like, if you knew anything about the situation, you know that they like Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. And even if they were going to move on from Peyton Barber, they're not moving on from Ronald Jones right now. 
and they're not drafting a running back that high. Right. So then to the third round, I was like, all right. So I like three-round mocks because they give you three picks, the top three picks. Those are the guys that are going to play the most. In the third round, he gave the Bucks Jordan Love, who is a quarterback. No, it's it's not going to happen. And I'll, I'll tell you why. If, if the Bucks, for one, if they move on from Winston, I think it's a clear thing that it's either going to be like a veteran stopgap guy or they're going to trade up for like Herbert or something. Well, let me like throw that. this in there as well. You've said on this show before, and I quote, if they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round, don't draft one at all. Yeah, that's and that's exactly the point I'm bringing up. Like, and I don't think they would. Like, if they if they do not draft a quarterback in the first round, they're not going to draft one in the third. Like, I just don't think because I think their their reasoning behind that would be okay. We moved on from Winston. We got a cheaper option here. Let's say they got Tyrod Taylor or something as a veteran, right? We got him as a cheaper option as a stopgap for one or two years, and then we can, if need be, we can trade up for our guy next year. So I don't think that they're going to like anybody that much to be able to draft them in a round that's not the first. I just have a hard time seeing it. So, like I said, Matt Moore's first three picks of, for the Buccaneers were a cornerback, a running back, and a quarterback. That's horrible. And yeah. if, if that was the draft... I'm sure that many Bucks fans, and I'm sure the media, and they would deserve it too, would be all over them because that is truly awful. And, um, you know, unfortunately, stuff like what Wingo said, that would just put mule, more fuel to the fire of, you know, oh, okay, well, they're moving on. Like a casual fan will see that, and he'll do his mock as, you know, they're moving on from James Winston, so they're picking Jake Fromm in the first round. Like, no, that's not the case. And again, that's uh, just a prime example of, like, kind of what I was saying you totally get the point. You hit it right on the head. People just read headlines. These, you know, big mm-hmm. national analysts for the NFL, they read headlines of a small market team who has the worst secondary in the NFL. So automatically they're going to say, oh, well, they should draft a corner. Yep. All, you know, nine out of 10 of the analysts who say that do not know that the Buccaneers have a combined two years of uh, experience in their entire secondary. Well, and they've used so many top 100 picks on corners. Like, you got to right. know that. Right. Like, and Miller even sort of cites that. He's like, yeah, they've spent a lot of. Co- and I saw a, a pro football focus mock draft. They're like, yeah, well, and they had them picking uh, Trayvon Diggs, cornerback from Alabama. And they were like, yeah, well, you know, until um, you get it right, you got to keep picking them. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, can you give these guys more than two years to get it right, please? Yeah, and I mean, you look at the cards that were dealt, the guys that are back there right now. Jamel Dean, a guy who's really coming into his own, having a hell of a rookie year towards the latter end of it. Carlton Davis, who's definitely stepped up his game a little bit. I'd say right now he's the best cover corner Tampa Bay has back there. But all these guys need is more development. I mean, Sean Murphy mm-hmm. bunting these past three games. He has been... Not lights out, but he's been a lot better than we saw him the first half of the season. A lot better, yeah. And all it took was for him to get his feet wet. So to automatically run out and say that, you know, oh, drafting a secondary personnel in the first round is what this team needs is just truly not paying attention. But, again, that's the gripe that we have as a small market team who deals with national media who just doesn't pay attention because the Bucks are a bad team and have been a bad team for the better half of 15 years. But I mean, the Bucks, they don't get many primetime games. So you don't look at them as much, yeah. right? They don't really get, even if they don't get a primetime game, very rarely do they get the national 1 p.m. game on Fox or the 425 game on Fox, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't happen. So, I mean, The only time we not... do is when we play Dallas. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Dallas is every game. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing is that like, these media people – they just don't want to admit that they don't know everything about every team. Right. And like I said, for some reason, Matt Miller, for like the past two to three years, I don't know what Jameis Winston did to him, but like, and that's why I'm saying I don't know what he did to him because Matt, coming out of college, Jameis Winston was Matt Miller's number one quarterback, and he was like one of the highest graded players that Matt Miller ever graded. So I don't know what James Winston did to this guy because the past two to three years, Matt Miller has demanded the Bucks move on from him. Um, like I mean, like like 2017 mock draft, 2018 mock draft, 2019 mock draft, now 2020. Like just for some reason, they always seem to pick a quarterback, 
and it's really, really weird. Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. So, I mean, kinda... obviously, it, it's mid-season mock draft right now. So, who cares? But, and don't worry. I highly doubt they're going to end up with a corner running back and quarterback in the first three rounds. So, no, absolutely not. And, and kind of to piggyback off of what you said regarding Matt Miller, um, I mean, maybe he's been adamant on his stand for the past three years because, kind of like you said, these national guys don't like to admit when they're wrong. So I'm sure with Matt Miller, a little bit of it is, man, I really got to stick to this narrative because I've said the same thing about a guy year after year who continues to stick around in Tampa year after year. Um, obviously, we have to see what happens this December, well, and that all goes back a lot to the of people, Well, a lot of people point to the turnovers, right? They'll it's be like, easy. oh, my God, he leads the league in turnovers. I'll say, okay, but you're not actually watching the games. Like, do I think James Wilson's great? No. I've actually I've ripped him on the show this season more than I ever have. Um, and I mean, we've been doing a show for a little bit, so like, you, you know that. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm just saying, yeah, you can point to the turnovers and all that, but in the same sentence as the turnovers, why do you ignore, you can't ignore all the good with, and just talk about the bad. Okay. That's with any player. You can't do that. Yeah. That that's irresponsible. You can't just say, oh my God, he leads the league in turn in turnovers. That's it. Well, you know, he's also one of the league leaders in touchdowns and yards. And, you know, if he was playing behind a better offensive line, he's been hit, I believe, the fifth most out of any quarterback, sacked in, like, the top three out of any quarterback. So, I mean, you know, you give him a better shot, maybe things turn out different, you know? Absolutely. And we've brought it up before. You also have to take into account all the BS interceptions that he's had. You know, you look at this, the ridiculous, yeah, uh, like, just – twist of fate type of stuff that he's really had on some of those but um, i mean i will admit though like I, I think you can probably admit that too he gets away with a lot like passes that probably should be picked and aren't but, um, but I, I think that's also one of his specialties though is like everybody talks well, I, about no, I, his... i'm talking about like guys just dropping the ball like right like like remember remember week one quan alexander ball is right in his hands it's a pick yep. six he just right. drops it no i get you 100 percent. but to sum it all up you just look at the national media and uh, kind of what a terrible job they're doing of their jobs. And, and I mean, I get it. You know, you mm, can't be on the ball. <laughs> Why not, dude? We we do three shows a week of this talking about the Bucks because we're not going to pretend that we know everything about every other team in the NFL. I study the team that the Bucks play that week, and that's really it. I don't follow them the rest of the season. Like the Colts, I knew they came out hot. I could tell you the headlines of what's going on with the Colts. Uh, the Marlon Mack injury, things like that. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know who they're going to pick in the second and third round next year. You know what I mean? So that's why mm-hmm. we do this show, and obviously that's why they have their job doing that. You can't always be right with every team in the NFL if you're covering 32, but you got to be damn close if people are going to want to take you credibly, especially in that small market, that one being Tampa Bay. So let's move on before I get any more upset. Let's talk about the matchup this Sunday between the Bucks and the Indianapolis Colts. So the Buccaneers winning two in a row. They are headed back home. And surprisingly, home is not where they do very well. They're four and three on nope. the road this year. And yep. their record at home is one and four. Technically, the loss in London counts as a home game. But aside from mm-hmm. that, you're one and three. Still not that great of a record. So if you want to put something together, you gotta to start playing better at home because what is it? The last three or four that we have are at home, I believe. Yep. So, yep. So if I mean, if you want a shot, even eight and eight, you gotta, you gotta win some home games here. Absolutely. So they have a chance to get to that five hundred mark with three games at Ray J. Um, they play the Colts, and then they've got the Falcons at home as well as Houston. So those will be some interesting games to keep an eye out for. But we got to start with this Sunday. So, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier. I looked at the Colts as a team who could get the upper hand on us this Sunday just because, you know, they are a solid team. They're in a little bit of a rough stretch right now. But overall, they're not bad. I think they're what 7 and 5 right now. They had a 5 and 2 start. Lost. No, I think there's I think they're 6 and 6 right now. Are they? I don't yeah, know. Right, right See now, if you can correct sure. me on that. But um I know uh-huh. that they've lost 4 of their last 5. So, they're going to want to put something together. And I thought they were going to come in here as a team that was pissed off, looking for a win, especially one important on the road to kind of keep the last bit of their playoff hopes alive. But, uh, Evan, I'm going to toss this to you. Let's go over the latest injury report 
which has really changed my mind about this game. And uh, we'll kind of dive into how I feel about the game, but let's talk about the injury report really quick if you've got that up. Yeah, so for one, the Colts are 6-6. Six and six. Okay. Um, they they have now lost two straight after beating the Jaguars, but before they beat before they beat the Jaguars, they barely beat the Broncos. They barely beat the I mean they lost to the Steelers, they lost to the Dolphins, they beat the Jaguars, then they lost to the Texans, then lost to the Titans. So they have been in a rut, you know. Um, it, it hasn't it hasn't been easy for these guys, but. The injuries might kind of be a reason why. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go over the injury report here for today. It's Thursday, December fifth, when we are recording this. So um, if you're listening to this Friday night or Saturday or something, somebody's already been ruled out or something changed. Don't blame. Or for Thursday includes for the Buccaneers. Uh, Alex Kappa was held out of practice with an elbow injury. I believe, I think he played the entire game on Sunday? Yes, he did. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Um, And Jamel Dean, who left uh, the game on Sunday and was severely missed because Ryan Smith was not good, he was also on the injury report with a shoulder injury, but he was full participation. So it it appears that he'll be good to go on Sunday, which is a good sign. Yes. And uh, DeMar Dotson? was not injury related likely just a veterans day off like i said we've talked about this i think thursday might be his veterans day off um did did he show up on the injury report uh yesterday uh i'll be honest with you i didn't check yesterday i I don't think he did so i think thursday might be like his veteran day off because that's not injury related and it also says he was full participation so um maybe it wasn't quite that day off um Chris Godwin was on the injury report with a shin injury. He was a full participation though. Scotty Miller with a hamstring did not participate. He didn't play last week. I would say it's probably doubtful he plays this week. Anthony Nelson with a hamstring as well did not participate. And Nelson's been a significant time. He went out in the uh, Seattle game and didn't come back and hasn't been back since. Uh, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, not injury-related, but it says full participation. Jason Pierre-Paul was held out of practice on Wednesday, I know that, and with a, with a knee injury, and today with the same knee, he was limited participation, so looks like he'll be able to go. Uh, I don't know, I don't even think he practiced at all, like last week or something, until like Friday, so. Yeah, we kind of talked about how concerning that was on the game preview last week, but we also said in the same breath, it's JPP, guy's going to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he and can, then, uh, he will. Yeah, and then MJ Stewart with a knee injury was on the injury report. He was limited participation, so he may play. Um, I not, I don't think he played last week. Uh, so yeah, he may be back out there. And uh, Jameis Winston was on the injury report with a knee injury. Uh, he was full participation, so obviously he's going to play. But you know that knee injury, it was sort of bothering him in the Jacksonville game, and the broadcast hinted at it a little bit. They're like, yep. "Oh, Winston's hobbling." You can kind of tell. So I think he might have reaggravated that injury from the Saints game. Yep. Let's hope it doesn't really hinder him that much, but um, might have happened there. So I mean, for the Buccaneers, I would probably say they're without Scotty Miller, they're without Anthony uh, Nelson. But other than that, I see most people playing here. So. Uh, maybe Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa might be a little doubtful, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if he practices tomorrow, which is Friday. So and for nice, the Colts, nice to have. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah, but good, uh, good. just kind of throw in there. Nice to have MJ Stewart back if he's going to mm-hmm. be playing this Sunday because he didn't play last week. He has missed some time, and w- we talked about you know how he hasn't been playing that great. But to have another guy back there who isn't named Ryan Smith makes me a little bit more comfortable. You know, Ryan what I mean? Smith. Elite special teamer, bad corner. Right? That's what it is. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, like you said, so you thought it was a loss, and then you started to look at the Colts injury report, and I gotta say, today it doesn't look that much better. Um, so for the Colts, tight end Mo Ali Cox with a thumb injury was full participation. Uh, wide receiver Paris Campbell, who I loved pre-draft, by the way, coming out of Ohio State, really big fan of him, was a uh, full participation with a hand injury. Clayton Gathers, who actually the Bucks had in, a little tidbit on him, Bucks had him in for a free agent visit this offseason, but he ended up signing back with the Colts. Uh, not injury-related, but he was full participation. Here's one of the big ones. 
Wide receiver T.Y. Hilton was held out of practice today with a calf injury. T.Y. Hilton, I believe, has missed the last two games, two or three games. Um, so it's not looking likely he's going to play on Sunday. And that's a big, uh, it's a big hit to the Colts offense. Oh, yeah. He is a huge part of that offense. Um, and there's a couple of other weapons that they could be without. You brought up Paris Campbell. I don't remember if you brought up Chester Rogers, but he's one of those guys as well. Uh, I think Eric Ebron also showed up. And then, of course, Marlon Mack, who has missed some action. But mm-hmm. um, all of those guys combined for the Colts this season have been responsible for 17 touchdowns and 22 yards from scrimmage. So to say yep. that they are a big part of that offense is is quite the understatement, if I'm honest. Well, uh, Eric Ebron did not show up on the injury report today. so Okay, so um, he'll probably be playing. Yeah, so and Marlon Mack uh, was on the injury report with a hand injury. He was full participation, so I would say he probably plays. Uh, and then here's a big one for their defense. Uh, their defense is actually, I think, pretty underrated. Uh, safety Malik Hooker did not participate with a foot injury. Uh, I'm not sure if he played last week. I don't think he did. So, I mean, it's looking less and less likely he's going to play. Uh, and then cornerback Kenny Moore did not participate in practice today with a knee injury. Uh, kicker Adam Vinatieri did not participate in practice with a knee injury as well. Now, this is significant because I don't think he's going to play. Uh, the no, Colts have already that. claimed uh, yeah. Chase McClellan or something like that uh, off of waivers from the Redskins. That signals to me that they don't think Vinatieri's going to play. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then cornerback uh, Rocky Sin was limited today with an ankle injury and that will complete the injury report so i mean both big names on either side but the colts have more big names that actually aren't practicing so yeah definitely now transitioning from the injury report to some of the things that we're looking at for this game when looking at the colts this week there was one big thing that jumped out to me and um, i'm not going to say the bucks have been bailed out here in the past but i'm definitely going to say the bucks have been bailed out in this area in the past The Indianapolis Colts are the least penalized team in the National Football League. And they've also only turned it over 14 times in 12 games. So you're not going up against a team like Jacksonville or even Atlanta who has a knack for giving the ball away. You're going up against a much more conservative football team uh, when it comes to penalties and turnovers. And those are two big things I think the Bucs have been bailed out on. Turnovers have been huge for us these past two weeks. The defense has shown up and shown out. So for that number to go down, but the penalties, man, this mm-hmm. is going to be a game where the Bucks cannot afford to shoot themselves in the foot because I feel like when they play a team that's really good at not getting penalties, that's when they get the most penalties. You <laughs> feel me? Yeah. So, uh, that I mean, that's, that's really big on my radar. I don't know uh, how you feel about that, but the Colts are a clean, put-together football team. Oh, they definitely are. Like I, I love the construction of their roster. I think Chris Boward's done a great job. Um, ever since he took over there about two years ago or so, unfortunately he wasn't there um, early enough to save Andrew Luck's career from that horrible offensive line that Ryan Grigson put together. Um, but I mean now they have one of the best offensive lines in the league, yeah. highlighted by Quint Nelson, who which we'll I'll get into a little bit later. I don't know if you plan to or not. Um. No, he's definitely a big bullet point for both of us. <laughs> but, um, I mean, big guy, big bullet point. Uh, but, yeah, he's one of the best guards in the league already, I believe, you know. I mean, he's just a just a powerhouse. This is his second year in the league, and he is just taking it by storm. So uh, they have an effective running game when their guys are healthy. Marlon Mack, he's back now, most likely. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett is not going to turn the ball over much. So if you're thinking that this Buccaneers defense is just going to go out and sort of do like the Jaguars game and have three turnovers and three straight drives, like three takeaways, I wouldn't hold your breath because um, this Colts team plays fairly clean on the penalty sheet and fairly clean the turnover area as well. Um, One thing I will say, though, about their defense, speaking of turnovers, their defense does not have uh, many turnovers. Um, I believe they only have about eight interceptions on the year, which um, isn't a whole lot. Uh, I don't think the Bucks have much more. I think the Bucks may have like nine or so, but um, they also don't have as many uh, like fumbles. So, um, you know, I, I think that this game is going to be decided on who protects the football more. And I know I said that 
with the Jacksonville game as well. But th- this game seems like even more um, because, you know, the Colts are a better team than the Jaguars. Let's face it, right? Yeah. The Colts are a better team than the Falcons, right? The Colts are, are a better team than the Cardinals. All three of those teams the Buccaneers have beaten in the past, what, four weeks or whatever. So this is the Bucks, you know, this is a test here. This isn't an easy game. I wouldn't expect the Bucks to go out and win this by two scores like they have been. You know, this this isn't going to be that type of game. It's going to be very close. And, I mean, just the Colts is just a solid roster, man. They just do. Yeah. Now, one of the things you had brought up was their defense. And you said a little earlier they're kind of underrated. Um, I think the downside of that defense, as you brought up, the turnovers and the lack of ability to make those turnovers happen. Um, but against the run, they're ninth in the league and then they're 12th against the pass on defense. So they've put together a pretty stout unit. Um, they've got that linebacker whose name is escaping, uh, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard, yeah. I mean, he is he's one of those guys who can be a game changer when he's called upon. But uh, overall, stat-wise, they're pretty good across the board. Turnovers could be improved. But I think where this defense excels, and it's where it's always the most interesting to watch the Buccaneers' offense work, is in the red zone. Colts have not made it easy for people to score in the red zone. I mean, obviously they got blown out by Tennessee last week, um, yep. but it's a whole well, new it's I mean, blown out, sure. They, they lost by 14. Like, they lost by two touchdowns. So yeah, maybe it I'm, wasn't, maybe I'm it wasn't that bad. But, but um, I mean, you know. <laughs> a two-possession loss to Tennessee. They put up 31 points on them. But overall for the season, their red zone defense is, is probably top five in the league. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I said, they, they have some real weapons on defense, and it's it's a big deal that Malik Hooker likely isn't going to play. Like That's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. You're looking at a secondary who, just like we said, 12th in the league against the pass. Uh, it'll be an interesting day for Jameis Winston in the offense, especially if Malik Hooker is not there to help them out over top on defense. So, there's a couple more things I'm looking at with this Colts team. I really got to get my notes in order here because I've just got a bunch of bullet points, and I want to keep things somewhat organized, but... I'm really not the best in the uh, best in the world at doing that. We talked about the offensive line, so I guess we'll look at the Colts on offense now. That offensive line is, I mean, it's top tier. It is probably yeah. the best offensive line I think the Bucks are going to face this entire season. Um, highlighted by, of course, offensive guard Quentin Nelson. But the center that they have as well is a pretty talented guy, and he's another name who is escaping me for some reason. I'm not sure why. It's like escaping me too. It's like it's. I think it's Kevin something, but it's right at the tip of my tongue. But a matchup that I'm looking at (laughs) with that offensive line is what the Bucks are going to have to do on the defensive line because yeah, they've showed up and showed out these past two weeks. But we just talked about how the Jaguars and the Falcons are not as good of a unit as the Colts are, especially at offensive line. So I think, and this is also on the weekly checklist. So let me spoil it for you. But what I'm looking at is the Buccaneers winning the defensive battle on the inside, looking mm-hmm. for guys like Vita Vea to win his matchups and Dominic Sue to really get up in there. Well, Golston, if he's used that way, so you can make it easier on your edge rushers like JPP or Shaq Barrett. And, I mean, we've even seen them switch up a look and send JPP inside, so you never know. But I think it's all going to start with whoever wins that interior battle on the line because you get that defensive line push from the interior – that's where your edge rushers can tee off because Jacoby Brissett, he hangs onto a ball for a really, really long time. Yeah, they can pass protect all day, but they can only protect for so long. So I think it all starts with that uh, big push in the middle. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I do think that it's going to determine, I believe, how much success this defense has against the Colts offense. This typically, just looking at it, this typically isn't a game where the defense plays well because, for you know, like they, you're, you're right when you say like, this is the best offensive line that they're gonna, they're going to play all year and they have played. But second best is probably the Saints, I think. Yeah. And just watch, look at that Saints game. They no had pressure on Breeze both weeks. No pressure on Breeze all day. Guys open easy. I have a fear that it could sort of be like that if the Bucks don't get pressure early. So I definitely agree with you that 
in order to to really win this game, they're gonna have to have some pressure there from not only their edge rushers but specifically inside. I'm looking at the matchup: Vita Vea versus Quentin Nelson, yeah. right in the middle there. I mean, that is a a matchup for the ages. Uh, two first round picks in the 2018 draft. Guys, you know, like, and it's you know, it's funny because if if the Colts don't pick Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson is playing for the Buccaneers right now. Um, so. Because the Colts picked Nelson at six, the Buccaneers had seven, and I, I do know that the Buccaneers had Quentin Nelson rated above Bradley Chubb on their board. So, like, I believe Quentin Nelson was number two on their board. Uh, Barkley was one, Quentin Nelson was two, and I think Chubb was three. Um, so they would have picked Quentin Nelson, and you know, it's it's funny how things work. You know, the Bucks trade down, everybody thinks they're going to get Darwin James. They end up with Vita Vea. And, you know, lo and behold, we have this beautiful matchup in the interior on uh, Sunday. So I look at this um, matchup and I'm expecting it to play out like one of those old school monster movies, you know, like Godzilla and King Kong oh, going yeah, at yeah, it in slow just, motion with the, yeah. the jets flying overhead. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's going to be a and battle. The jets, the jets are like the wide receivers in corners just running <laughs> around. And, yeah. Right. It's all in black and white with the sound effects yep. and everything. I'm looking for someone to do that, man. If there's someone listening to the show, uh, looking at you, Shooter and Stash, but if there's someone who listens to the show who's really good, put something like that together. Just a little a little montage of those guys going at it in the trenches in slow motion with the Godzilla music and sound effects and the whole nine yards. But I uh, like the Godzilla roar in there yeah. and stuff. Yeah, man, but that's definitely so, something okay, I'm looking so at. So who would be, who'd be Godzilla and who would be King Kong? Oh, Godzilla, hundred percent has to be Vita Vea. Why a hundred percent? I I just I don't know. I kind of lean. You think that... he's you think he's cooler? Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah. I mean, King Kong's pretty cool. King Kong's cool, but like I, I look at Quentin Nelson as just this big ape like guy. You know, it's I don't, true. I don't look at, but I I, I don't I, look at uh, I don't look at Vita Vea and see this big ape. I just see a monster. You know what I mean? I, I see a fire breathing lizard. So I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Quentin Nelson's on the way. He's a freaking gorilla. Yeah, like, that he, guy is. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a, a mauler. So there like I said, it's gonna be really interesting to see that matchup, though. I think there was a bit of tape that came out uh, a few weeks ago. I want to say it was Brian Baldinger on Twitter who posted it, but I'm sure you've seen it. It was Quentin Nelson with a block, and if you're Jacoby Brissett, he's on the left side of Jacoby Brissett. He disengages from that block sprints all the way to the other side of the offensive line and just checks the hell out of whatever defender was coming downhill. You know what I'm talking about, right? I I, I think I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. It was a showcase of the speed that this guy has and the quick decision-making to pick up on something that wasn't even his assignment. But the fact that he picked up on it four player lengths away is pretty amazing and just goes to show you what a quality offensive lineman this guy is. So, uh, again, going back to it, it's a matchup I'm looking at all day long. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to, and I think if you if you're watching a broadcast, that's going to be a big point of emphasis. If you're watching a broadcast, and especially, I don't know who they have, but Sherith or whatever, Mark Sherith absolutely loves Vita Vea, yeah. and I know he loves Quentin Nelson. So if it's them for the third straight week, which I mean, I highly doubt. Um, yeah, you could you could really uh, he's going to be focusing on that. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to toss it to you again. What are some other things that you're looking at with this matchup on Sunday? We talked about the offensive line of the Colts and how the Bucks kind of have to win that battle there. Uh, we yeah. talked about the injury report, of course, but what are some other things you're checking out and uh, big things on your list this week? So I'm looking at the Colts' defense. Um, because I, like I said, I think their defense is underrated. Bucks' offense hopefully is going to be able to, I mean, last week versus the Jaguars, they were decent. Right, um, I wouldn't say they were great. Like even in even in the first half, like if you think about, it, they scored fourteen points. You know, um, good, but I mean, you know, it was technically seventeen points, I guess, because of the field goal, and then there was the there was the the strip sack and then the two point conversion. But uh, I mean, this this Colts team, I mean, just looking at like the final scores and stuff. They're just not. I mean, yeah, they gave up 31 last week to Tennessee, but like but before Tennessee, that, by the way, a team who's five and one over these last six weeks, so they're yeah, kind of on a tear. Tennessee's themselves. been, yeah, Tennessee's been really good. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they just don't give up like a lot of of um, of points really. Uh, and I mean, I'm looking at the defensive line here, so I'm looking at the stats. Uh, they have some pass rushers, man. They have some real pass rushers. Darius Leonard, they like to use as a pass rusher. Um, they also have Justin Houston, who they signed in the offseason. He has eight sacks, I believe, leads the team. Um, but this offensive line, I think, is going to be put to the test. And, you know, we talked about the Colts' offensive line. I'm looking at the Bucks' offensive line. So if Alex Kappa can't play, I think they might be in some trouble. Um, because, like I said, I think the Colts are just, they're not. They're not great, but I just think I think they're good. Like I still think they're a good football team. Um, they're I think one of those teams they, where their record doesn't define them. Just like yeah, I, I mean they're not. Wow. Well, oh come on! I don't We've know. said it here on the show before. What What have I said on the show before? Maybe I said it, but going into the Jaguars oh, you game, definitely said we it. talked about how both of those teams are four and seven, but I don't see the Bucks as a four and seven football team. Um, that that's you. I I yeah. I I might I might have said that I think the Bucks are better. Uh, I I know you, Mister Negative Nancy. You can disagree uh, with me. Okay. But okay. Uh, the point that I was trying to make was that the Colts are a team who I, I think are better than their record. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the Colts on Sunday. I think the, they're the better team on paper. I think they're the better team in real life. I think they're the better team. Um, We'll see what happens. Really, we will. Um, we will. We will see what happens. I, I. I still think that this game, even more than a Jaguars game, could come down to who turns the ball over more. Whoever turns the ball over more is gonna lose. I think it's gonna be like I said. It's gonna be a close game. This isn't. The Bucks are not going to go up in this game fifteen to nothing like they did against Jacksonville. Right. Right. They're not gonna go up in this game twenty five to ten like they did against Atlanta. I, I don't see that happening. I, nor do I see the Colts going up like that. I just don't think neither team is really built for that. Like with these matchups, I don't think neither team is built for that with these current matchups. So um, close game. I, I think it will be be very interesting uh, to see uh, how it all plays out. I think Bucks linebackers are going to have to step up because Colts have two pretty good tight ends, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle. So. Um, like I said, we'll see. But, I mean, I think number one key on defense, getting pass rush. Number one key on offense is protect the football. Yeah. Now, pr- protecting the football kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with one of the next things I wanted to talk about, and then we can get into the weekly checklist. Ronald Jones, the topic of discussion mm-hmm. this week. He got benched in Jacksonville last week after missing a block. And um, Bruce Arians, in that same quote that we brought up earlier about Jameis Winston, he said that Ronald Jones will be the starter going forward. And I really, really, really hope that that comes to fruition this Sunday. I hope it turns into a game where he gets 20-plus carries because that's exactly what he needs right now to kind of take that step. And for everybody, because believe it or not, there's people still saying that Peyton Barber should start. And after last week, he did outperform Ronald Jones. But Rojo needs to get carries this week. And uh, you look at the matchup. We brought up Darius Leonard. He's a big key in that defense for Indianapolis. I'm looking at Darius Leonard and Ronald Jones because he's gonna di- uh, he's gonna be the guy who dictates what kind of day that Ronald Jones has. Mm-hmm. But I think it all starts with him getting carries. And I think this offense has to get the run game going against a team like Indianapolis because they're not gonna sit back and let you throw the ball 40 times a game. They're just not. The numbers yeah. show that. We talked about how their secondary, even missing a guy like Malik Hooker is still a pretty stout secondary. So I mm-hmm. want to see them get the run game going so bad this week because I want to see Ronald Jones just have one of those games, man. The thing that's tough to me is what you say when you say, you know, 20 carries a game. That's a lot. Like, I, I don't think you realize the NFL right now is changing. Like, it really is. Um, Like, maybe 20 touches a game. Like, just like passing, rushing, stuff like that. But 20 and 20 plus carries, like, that just doesn't happen too much. I was looking, like, the Jets lost to the Bengals, and they gave Le'Veon Bell 13 runs. Joe Mixon had, like, 14 runs. Um, I'm looking up, actually, the, the Carolina game now. Uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey at 14. Uh, Darius Geis at 10. Adrian Peterson at 13. So today's NFL, just, it's not that. It's, right just not so if you're expecting 20 plus carries i would say like i said again just don't hold your breath 
um, because I would not expect a 20-plus carry day unless, like I said, the Bucks are up big and then they just want to run out clock. Then there might be an exception. But but, that, but that's, a, that's an example of when you throw in Peyton Barber. You know, if they're looking to run out the clock, they throw in Peyton Barber, he gets you three or four yards every single time. Well, sure, but I don't know. I still think if you're a starter, you should be trusted to be able to run out the clock. But, um, I mean, I, mean I, didn't, you, I think you sort of expected him to name Barber the starter again. Um, a little bit. Yeah, little I, bit. I didn't. I didn't just because, like, I didn't think he would just flip-flop like that that quickly. So, like, I mean, it's not a surprise to me at round Jones still the starter. He'll get a lot of carries. Hopefully he gets going. And uh, just pick up on the blitz pickups, man. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of agree with what you brought up now that you explained it that way. 20 carries is a lot. I didn't realize the NFL is changing that way. Um, but you're 100% right. You do have a point there. But uh, kind of going back to him getting more involved in the offense, 20-plus carries, maybe not that much, but maybe 20-plus yeah. touches overall. Because yeah, I, there I think you go. That, that's, you that's brought better. up. That's what McCaffrey gets pretty Getting much. him involved like, in the passing game. We've seen Ronald Jones, although he you know isn't maybe as prolific as a pass-catching running back as someone, say, Dario Gamboale. Not that he throws up big numbers, but he's going to catch the ball every single time. Yeah. Um, but I think getting him involved in things like that is really what's going to kickstart him because we saw it against Arizona. He had 77 receiving yards when you got him involved and passed him the ball on a damn screen. Well, Hopefully yeah, we they, see just, that they don't – I don't – and not only that screen. Like I said, that little pass where it's almost like a screen, but it's not. Yeah. It's they just like a run route. him out. They ran it in the San Francisco game week one too. And they got they got the first down. They run everybody out and just toss it right to Jones. I mean, it's still a pass. It's not like a running back toss, but they toss it to Jones pretty much, and he just runs. Like, yeah. And it's worked. Like I don't know why you don't do it more. They, they normally do it on long yarded situations. I think that's one of their third and long plays because that's the only time I see them run it. But every now and then, run that on a second and ten or something, man. Yeah. Gain twenty yards. No, I, I get you, man. But my point kind of goes all back to uh, just getting Ronald Jones more involved because I, I still believe to this day he can bring another element of this offense to the offense, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? He can he can go in there. He can do his job. He can catch passes out of the backfield. And if you give him 15 carries a game, maybe he'll get you 100 yards one of these weeks. But I, I think him getting involved in this offense this week against Indianapolis mm -hmm. is a big, big thing that I'm looking at. So – Unless you have anything else, you're looking over the game this week, do you? Not really. I don't no? Know. I mean, on. it's a pretty, I don't know, it's kind of a bland game, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, there's there's not really, there's not much to, to really talk about with this game, you know? It is, it, like, it is what it is. I mean, I the Bucks it. are going for their, their third straight win. This is, you know, if you win your third straight, technically it's a win streak then. Yep. Right, if you win two games in a row, it's just back-to-back -back wins. If you win a third game, it's a win streak. It'll be their longest win streak since their five-game win streak in 2016. Um, three years ago to the date, by the way. Th three what? Three years ago to the date. It popped up on my Facebook memories. Oh, yesterday. they beat the Seahawks, right? They beat the Chargers oh, three the Chargers years ago yesterday, okay. and uh, of course that game came down to the wire with the game-winning interception being caught by Keith Tandy who, uh, ironically enough, has appeared here on the Cannon Fire podcast. Of course. So, go, so go check that out if you haven't already. It really is a great interview with Keith Tandy. Uh, we did it in the offseason last year, and we just talked to him about his experience as a buck, the culture inside the building, and much, much more. So make sure you check yep. that out on all of our outlets and, of course, here on YouTube. But and also, um, one little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, Bucks are wearing their color rush uniforms. Um, yes, they are. So you sound excited. I love the uh, color rush uniforms. We usually play like ass in them, but I still they won, like them. They won last year. They beat the Panthers last year. So. Yes, they did. Um, but they all they lost to the Saints. It, I think it's just when you wear them against the Saints at home because they beat the Panthers last year, but they lost to the Saints at home in them last year and lost to the Saints this year in them last year. Uh, this, this year. I almost said yeah. this year and them last year. Wow. Oh, it's getting late, I guess. <laughs> 8, 8, 8.37. Am I getting old or something? What in the world's going on? <laughs> Oh, man. I, I like the color rushes. I like when they bust them out. So that'll be interesting to watch, and it'll be pretty I like on them. my TV. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird with the sun and stuff. Like, I don't know. It, just, it, it looks, I think they're definitely made for primetime games. Under the like, lights. Those jerseys, yeah. Because, I don't know, under, like, the sun and stuff, it looks kind of weird. But, I mean, I like them. I, I, I do. No, I um, get you. 
I still would like to see them try the you know, red jerseys with white pants, but whatever. Yeah. Man can dream, can he? So uh, <laughs> every single week here on the show, we do this thing called a weekly checklist. And I put together a checklist of three things the Buccaneers have to do if they're going to win the game on Sunday. So let's jump right into it. Evan, we'll see if you agree with me. And, of course, if you have any points, feel free to jump in. Let's talk about it. First thing on this list is something we have yet to discuss on the show, but we talked about it going into Jacksonville. And he played really well in Jacksonville. That's number nine, rookie kicker Matt Gay. He's just got to keep making kicks, man. I think we brought up how this game is going to come down to every last point on the board. Uh, we've seen it before where Bucks kickers leave points on the board, and um, ultimately some bad things happen when points are left on the board. But Matt Gay's just got to keep making his kicks. And uh, last week in Jacksonville, he did a good job. Yeah, he had that one where kind of went like a little weird, but it, it uh, was yeah, it was scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really worried about him. Hopefully, he makes his kicks. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, he can get another streak going. He has made. Uh, I think he's only missed one out of his last 17. Is the stat that I saw floating around today. Um, so he's just got to keep up the good work. He's been a good kicker for us so far. Let's hope he can finish out the year strong and, of course, carry that momentum into Sunday against Indianapolis. Second thing on the weekly checklist was something we already did talk about, so you guys knew this was coming, but the defensive line has to win the battle inside. If you win the defensive battle inside, you get that big push on the line of scrimmage. It makes it so much easier for your edge guys to hit home. JPP looking at Shaq Barrett as well. If that happens, if that happens who does that help also? Uh, helps the secondary. Yep. Absolutely. Makes it easier on those guys. You can hit Jacoby Brissett, slow him down, or even just get him uncomfortable in the pocket because, as we brought up, the Indianapolis Colts do a really good job of pass protect, but yep. Brissett, notorious for being a guy who hangs on to the ball just a little too long. So if the pressure but, can I mean, get he there, can also run a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, know. he can. He does have the moves on him. Don't get me wrong. But – if the pressure can get there a little faster than expected, of course you're going to tee off and you're going to have a great day, but we just kind of have to see where it all starts with that line of scrimmage battle. The two monsters going at it, Vita Vea and Quentin Nelson. Again, that's what we're looking at all day long. I'm so excited, man. So excited. Last thing on the weekly checklist. It's a guy who I don't think has been on the weekly checklist a lot this season, but it's our quarterback, number three. Jameis oh, is, yeah, yeah, that guy. Jameis has got to keep playing well. I know well. that guy. Jameis has got to keep playing well. He didn't have a blockbuster game last week, but overall he was smart with the football, made some solid decisions, and made some damn good throws. He's just got to do that again this week. Yep. You know, we kind of talked about the quote of Jameis's, or uh, Bruce is waiting until the end of December to make that decision. It's a coach's answer, yeah. But he's a guy who finishes the year strong. He's been doing it these past three seasons where he, you know, has a mediocre first half of the year. And in the last four games, he gets everybody excited. So I think yeah. he finds that rhythm, but uh, just expecting him to play well and have a big day. So, yeah, you don't think like and this crossed my mind when Arian said that you don't think he was maybe trying to use that to ignite a fire in Winston. Oh, 100 percent. I actually had uh, our buddy James Hill, Mr. Bucks Nation. He called me on the phone earlier today, and we talked about it. We talked about how people are taking that quote so out of context and just misconstruing it like we opened the show with. And that's what I told him. I'm like, I expect Bruce to say that because he's not going to give a definitive answer because I'm sure Jameis is going to pay attention to that quote, and that's going to motivate him at least a little bit to know that the coach is uh, not entirely sold. So even if that's not the truth, you got to believe that it ignited some motivation in Jameis Winston. I believe that 100%, man. Glad you brought that up, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm also I'm glad you brought, you brought up the Jameis Winston cycle. Because it just <laughs> seems to be that way that, you know, like in the beginning of the year, Winston's okay. He'll have a few eh, games. He'll never have that really great game. I guess the Rams game was a great game, I guess, um, which was un, unusual for him early in the year. I mean, he's had but some good he'll, he'll games play. this year. He he does have. No, I'm, an I'm not NFC. saying. I'm just talking over his over his career. No, in the first you. five to six weeks. How many great games has James Winston played in the first five to six weeks over his career? No, I'm with you, man. When um, you know what? 2015, when they played the Eagles and they blew them out in Philadelphia. What? 
I, I'm surprised I don't remember, but what time of the year was that? That was a little over the halfway point, right? No, uh, well, it, 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 it was uh, it, it, yeah, it was week eleven, I think. It was like okay. week all right. Yeah. Never mind. Then forget the point that I even tried to make. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll agree with you. Yes, I don't think he really has those great games at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. But then, then mid season starts to get a little warm, right? A little warm, and then he might have one clunker the Saints game. Yeah, and then. He'll start playing well, and he played well versus Atlanta. He played well versus Jacksonville, and like he said, I think he needs to play that way against Indy. He, he doesn't need four touchdowns and no interceptions. A touchdown, no picks, two touchdowns, one pick, something like that. That, that That's what you need. You can't you can't go out and throw you know, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and follow the ball once because that, that's just not good. The Bucks will end up losing. Right. So protect the football. You don't have to throw five touchdowns to win this game. The Colts' offense is not like that. Um, so, yeah, just relax. Relax yeah. and play your game. And, I mean, if he goes out there, he plays smart. He's got receivers like a big guy named Chris Godwin who can make those plays happen. If he plays smart, the touchdowns will come. Because, let's say, for example, Chris Godwin, a guy who has multiple yard-after-catch touchdowns this season, he can make stuff like that happen. So don't expect him to go in there and play with the pressure that he does when they play from behind and put up four or five touchdowns a game. But if he can just play smart football, good decision-making, don't turn it over, he's got a really good chance of leading the Bucks to a victory. But, Evan, do you have anything you want to add to the weekly checklist? No, I, I think it's pretty good. Like, yeah. I, I mean, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, you finally did a good job once. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we'll just have we'll just have an episode at the end of the year just us roasting each other and that that'll be good. <laughs> um Yeah, but I I mean, I think uh I think it was pretty good. I think if those if, if those three things happen, I think the Bucks have a really good chance to win this game. Uh, do you want to do predictions here? Or yeah, just hold let's out? do it. Let's throw out some score predictions. Why not? Okay. Uh, so I went first last time, so how about you go first this time? Okay. Now, I brought up earlier on the show, if you guys listen to the weekly Bucks break, which, by the way, drops every single Tuesday on our feed, you can listen live every Monday night at 10 p.m. on 102.5 The Bone, and you can listen on live, theboneonline.com, or you can download the 102.5 The Bone app and listen live there as well. Check out the Johnny B Show every weeknight from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Thank you, Johnny, for having me in for the Bucks break. But anyways, if you listen to the Bucks break, I said the Bucks were going to lose this game 31 to 28 on a last-second field goal because I did not feel good about the matchup. Bucks have not played well at home this season, and the recipe just seems like what we've seen before, where I think this is a game the Bucks just kind of flop and they let it get away from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the injury report. It kind of changed my mind, and I'm going to go into this with the mindset that it's not going to be as high scoring as 31-28. I still think it's a back-and-forth game. I think it's entertaining, but I'm going to pick Tampa Bay, and I'm going to pick the Bucks. Yeah, why the hell not? I'm going to pick the Bucks winning this game 27-24 on a game-winning Matt Gay field goal as time expires. I, I swear, you almost pick a game-winning Matt Gay field goal every, like, two weeks. Yeah. Because like I, like I want to see it. I like want to see hoping. it. Well, I you're, you're see still get, be I, I he, see he had a chance. He I want to see him get the game winner as time expires. It's been a fantasy he of had, mine. Yet again, he had a chance. It, it, I don't even bring it up. Ever <laughs> since that happened, I've wanted him to redeem himself. And he's done a good job making most of his kicks up until that point. He did have one bad game against Atlanta. But I just want to see him get that moment so bad. And in a game like this, I think it's more possible than it has been the past few weeks. But... Matt Gay game winner for the win. How you like right. them apples? How you like them apples? Yeah. Well, they certainly liked it in the Big Apple. <laughs> Stop it, man. I don't Come even on. want to think about that. You, you, you set me up for that. I, I had to take that one. I, I wasn't going to say anything about it either anymore until you said that. I was like, oh, I got him. Um, so, yeah, let me get into mine. Um this just feels like a weird game to me. The Bucks are at home. Bucks never went at home. Um, Colts are typically, like I said, our team that the Bucks don't typically beat. Right. Like, you know, a stout offensive line, good offensive line, quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over much. I mean, decent weapons. Even though I know T.Y. Hilton's out, Marlon Mack's a little bit banged up, but 
They still have some decent weapons and a defense that is pretty underrated and, and plays you know, a team to play smart football. It's almost like the exact same thing we said against the Saints both times. Yeah, like I said, yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that the Buccaneers, um, it'll look like the Saints game felt like much further, like it felt like a blowout and it really wasn't. I mean, the Buccaneers lost seven by 17 points to them in Raymond James Stadium. But that felt like they were losing by 30, right? Not, oh, not yeah. by just 17. Um, it it's felt like it was games, instead of 34-17, it felt like it was like 34-7. Yeah. Um, so I don't think this game is going to feel that way. I think it goes back and forth. Uh, I'm going probably let's do 31-23 to Colts. Um, I just think that the biggest difference is going to be that the Bucks pass rushers won't be able to generate the pressure that they've been getting against this offensive line. And ultimately I think it's going to leave a, a Tampa Bay secondary that is still young and inexperienced while they are progressing. Um, I just think Brissett is just going to be able to really take advantage of it. Um, we'll see, you know, uh, they have a chance to win their third straight. I just don't think they'll do it. So regardless though, I mean, they have, you know, they have Detroit after that, then Houston and Atlanta. So, I mean, this isn't the end of the world. It would like it would squander their playoff chances because they have to win out, yep. which I'll, thank God we haven't even mentioned that on this podcast. Um, <laughs> if if they I'll tell you what, if they win, if they win on, on, on Sunday, on Monday and the, if they win and the Vikings lose, you will hear me talk about playoffs. All right. You you will hear me mention the word playoffs and Buccaneers in the same sentence. So let me ask you this about your score prediction really quick. You said the Bucs put up 23 points as opposed to 21 or 24. What are you trying to say? You trying to say Mac A misses a PAT this week? No, I'm trying to say he makes like three field goals. Okay. All right. Bucks scored two 14, touchdowns. 17, 20, 20. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. It? He's not going to miss fair. a kick. <laughs> and and Shaq Barrett will get a sack though. That's one thing I will say. And he'll get one sack closer to tying Warren Sapp's record. I'm so that, that'll be that'll be the only sack that the Buccaneers get on the day. And Jacoby Brissett is just gonna like he's gonna play. He's not gonna light him up, but he's gonna play like he's gonna have like two touchdowns, no picks, under, something like that. Over under 250 yards. Just over, a little bit over. Okay. Let's say let's say 265. All right. So two vastly different predictions. All right, let's, let me ask you this. Over under James Winston, 275 yards. Over. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I'm taking the over. <laughs> that was quick. The over. Seven straight, what is it, eight straight, or uh, before Jacksonville, seven uh, no straight more, yeah. games. I think it was six. I think it was six straight games. I think it was seven. I think it was six. Who knows? But uh, I'm going to look it up five, right now. Because we got to decide this right now. Five plus games in a row. With 300 plus yards, let's decide this right now and let's get the five hell plus. out of here. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely five plus. We we know that. <laughs> yeah, that that that's for sure. Okay, so uh, let's see Tennessee game. Do you think he threw for over 300 yards Tennessee game? The Tennessee game. Yeah. Yes. He did 301 yards. <laughs> uh, see. Okay, so that's one, right? Yep. Seattle game. Yes. How many yards do you think? 384. 384. 335. Ah. Felt like it was more. Arizona game? 328. 328. Let's see. Um, 358. Okay. He threw for more yards in the Arizona game than he did in the Seattle game. That's surprising. So that's, what, what's that? That's three straight, right? And that I was just doing it after the bye week. That's when I started, so. Yeah. That's why I started looking at this. So that's three straight versus the Saints here. How many do you think he had? Uh, uh, 360. 313. Okay. So that's four straight. Versus the Falcons is five straight. We knew he had over 100 there. I'm not even going to check that. I'm going to check the game in London, and if it's if it's over 300 yards, let's see. Well, he threw for... After the Saints game. In the London game, he had 400 yards. Yeah. In the Saints game, he threw for, I think, 315. So that's another game. Uh, If if that's true, no, I am right. I am correct. Six games in a row. Yep, it's not seven. He threw 204 yards versus the Saints in New Orleans. And then Panthers over 300, Titans over 300, Seahawks over 300, Arizona 
New Orleans, Atlanta, all over 300 at six games, and it got broken this time. So, um, you think he starts his own new streak here? Yes, I do. I think he throws okay. over 300 this week. All right, I'm I'm gonna say right around 275. Okay, all right. Two vastly different predictions for this week's game against Indianapolis. But uh, if you're watching with us on YouTube, go ahead and leave your prediction for the game on Sunday, and uh, we will call. Uh, we of course we can bring those up on Monday after the game. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for watching, or uh, thank you so much for listening or watching with video on all of our outlets, including YouTube and BoxReport.com. You can follow the show on social media. You can find us anywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of those, Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, and you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at BucksWave, also on Twitter at EvanNFL. Now, before we do get out of here, I have to remind you about some official Cannon Fire merchant, uh, Cannon Fire Podcast merchandise on sale right now. You can see it on your screen if you're watching on any of our video outlets, and it is beautiful, isn't it? Black shirts, red shirts, and then, of course, a pack of stickers as well. If you're looking to load up for the holidays, I know the perfect gift for you. Of course, this CFP merchandise would not be available without our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. have to give out a shout-out to them. RJ and his very, very talented staff has been helping out Tampa Bay businesses since 2001. If you have an image for your business, they're going to make sure it gets done and in the best way possible. You can start off small, do business cards, do stickers like the one you see on the CFP merchandise right there. Bump it up to apparel, get some shirts done, do some hats. If you want some custom socks, I guarantee you they can get it done for you. If you want to take it up even bigger, Go to banners. Go wide format. You can get huge posters. You can do vehicle wraps. Drive around with your business on your vehicle. They'll make it happen to your exact specifications. And they've been doing a great job with it ever since 2001. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprintingandsigns.com. What's up, Still waiting. Still waiting for that uh, Redicus vehicle wrap. But oh, Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll still, still, still waiting to, to see your truck just all decked out. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. Vehicle wraps are a little pricey. So if you're in the market for that type of thing, I imagine you got some business money you can spend. Oh, I, I thought you were a big baller. Ah, <laughs> the sponsorship money only gets us so far, buddy. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Pinecrest Printing and Science. Check out their website at pinecrestprinting.com and give them a call at 813-684-5444 if you didn't hear me the first time. I am Rhett Matthew, signing off for Evan Wanish. And as always, we'll talk to you guys next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.